This is my story. Growing up, attending a Sunday service was a normal thing for my mother and I. But as I became older, it seemed like it was just a box to check off for the week. I was never taught the correct way to live as a Christian or how to have a solid foundation of faith. Instead, I witnessed the troubles of my mother and my brother, the off and on relationship I had with my sister, and the absence of my father. Having a faith-based home was not modeled. My home life was broken and far from God, and it left me with questions. Being in and out of foster care, I was desperate to find anyone and anything that could help me not become what I was going through. As a young boy, I remember praying, Lord, help me. I want a better life. Something I knew my mother was wanting for me as well, knowing what she was going through. Around the age of 10, I started to get involved in a ministry at Calvary Temple called Sun Power. Every Saturday, a man by the name of Calvin Stanball would come and pick me up along with other few, few other kids at the homeless shelter where my mom and I were living. The very moment I walked in the doors of the Oasis, it felt like home for a few reasons. One, they had cheeseburgers every Saturday. <laughs> Two, I was able to escape home life for a few hours. And three, I felt the love I was missing. Through the faithfulness of being picked up every Saturday, I was introduced to a pioneer of my faith journey, Stacy Bredemeyer. Someone who invested so much in a very hard season of my life. With the caring heart, hard work of investing, and time, I was given an opportunity to attend Calvary Academy, where I was able to receive a great Christian education and become the first in my family to graduate high school. Attending the academy, God placed so many other people in my life, including a family who accepted me as their own, Mike and Cheryl Mohall. I finished out my junior high and high school years living in their home. My high school basketball coach, Phil Brown, one of the biggest father figures slash role models in my life and still is to this day. Someone who poured wisdom and encouragement into me both on and off the court. But in all this, as with any teenager, I still had challenges I struggled with. I still had questions. I still tested the waters. I didn't always get it right along the way. But from the love of my youth leaders, teachers, and others who may be sitting in here this morning played a part in leading me to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in a Wednesday night youth service. Without the prayers and time that so many invested in me, I would not be standing here today. Look what God can do to a young boy who others may see potential in, but would give up because it was too challenging. I will always remember those who invested in me, those who never gave up on me. Love and family was something I was searching for. Now having a family of my own, my love for them is so strong. I'm able to lead them in a way I would have never been able to without those who invested in me. Some of you in here this morning may have someone you could be investing in, young or old. It may have challenges. You may not see the fruit immediately, but I am so thankful for those who continue to see me for who I could become and not what I was. And I want to encourage you to do the same. 
If it wasn't for the godly influencers in my life, I wouldn't be here today leading a generation of students to find their identity and purpose in life. I prayed as a young boy for God to change my life. I know I'm not the only one. There may be someone now praying that same simple prayer. Lord, please help me. I want a better life. And maybe God wants you to be the agent of that prayer. Are you listening? This is my story. Awesome. Man, isn't that amazing to hear how God moves through his people to affect the life of a person? And then that cycle keeps going and going. Let's give God another hand. That is an incredible testimony. I'm like really jazzed up to preach now. That's pretty cool. But anyways, we are going to open up God's word and we are going to hear what the Lord has to say to us. And we're going to be excited about that. Amen? Hey, let's stand up. We're going to be in uh, the book of Titus today. It's like two pages long in your Bible. Love Titus. Paul wrote this letter to Titus. He was a pastor of a church. So it's, a, it's a really a leadership uh, letter and given instructions on in how he is to lead and how the church is to interact with each other. So we're going to read one verse in chapter 1 and then a section in chapter 2. Titus chapter 1 verse 4 says, To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Now we're going to jump to chapter 2 and read the first eight verses. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teachings show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Let's pray, all right? Father God, thank you so much um, that you are good, you are God, you are here. We have your word to equip us, to encourage us, to inspire us, to form us more into the image of your Son by the power of your Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you give me the words that you want me to say and give us all ears to hear of what you want us to learn so we can go out and be that model of good works. And as we pour our lives and invest into other people that you bring across our path, that your gospel will go forth in power and your kingdom will be built. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's be praying for those young people that are going out to... Learn God's word as well. Hey, uh, you know, here's what I want you to do. I want you for a minute to think about something that you feel um, pretty confident or growing confidence in about yourself. Maybe it's a, 
uh, a value that you hold dear that you live out. Uh, maybe it's a skill or some sort of trait that you have. Now, we're talking maybe it's athletic ability, maybe it is music, hobby, okay, a business skill uh, that you have. Okay, I want you to just think about that for a minute. And I want you to think about when did that begin to develop in your life? When, when, did, when did that start to develop in your life? What was happening at that time in your life when that skill, trade, ability, whatever, uh, began to get initially formed? And here's the most important question. Who was involved with it? Who taught you? Who coached you? Who challenged you? Who spent time with you? Who took a piece of themselves? Who took uh, a piece of their time, their knowledge, their care, their ability, and put it into you? Who was that? Just, just think about that. Um, I, I brought a, a prop from home. Basically, I mean, at this stage in its life, it's, more, it's pretty much just a prop because it sits on my, hangs on my wall. This is my very first guitar, okay? I got this when I was around 14, all right? And so uh, it's a, I mean, this is a cheap guitar. It's made out of plywood, basically. It gets out of tune after about 30 seconds of playing it. Uh, but I love this guitar. And, uh, and so this guitar, you know, I, I started learning to play guitar uh, primarily um, with the influence and guidance of just a couple people. All right, uh, I had a good friend. His name is Brian. He was just, he was a couple years older than I was. And his dad, uh, Mr. Kelly. Uh, Mr. Kelly was a teacher. Um, he taught at a local high school, not my high school. Uh, but we went to church together. And uh, the Kellys, they had a little family bluegrass band. Okay? The dad played guitar, my buddy Brian played bass and mandolin, and you know, a brother, another brother played banjo, and, and I would be at their house probably two, three days a week, and we would just, I would just hang out in their living room, and I would just watch and listen and try to keep up, right? They would show me chords. You know, I remember this one story. We were, we were, we were, I was, you know, I was helping him do this song at church, and, and it was kind of this bluesy kind of song, and he showed me how to play a seventh chord. Now, some of you don't know what that means, but he's like, you know, he get all giddy excited. He's like, you play it that way, it sounds real cool. You know, I'm like, okay. You know, but, but really, if it wasn't for Mr. Kelly, if it wasn't for Brian, you know, I wouldn't be able to really be a part of this church and help lead you guys in worships every now and then. And, and I look back over the last 30 plus years of my life from when the first time I picked this thing up and, and really the probably, I don't know, I was thinking maybe the thousands of people in different venues from churches to conferences and whatever that I've had a chance to, to really help usher into the presence of God. That wouldn't happen without my friend and his dad taking their time and pouring into my life. And the same thing can be said, you know, when I look at other areas of, of my life, like leadership um, practices that I have, theology, parenting, some of the carpentry that I like to do, there was always one or two people intentionally building into me and investing themselves in my life. 
You know, I mean, we are, in a very, in a very real sense, we are uh, a sum total of the relationships in our life. It's super, super important. So what I want to talk about today is really the value and the vitality of investing in other people and how we are called to invest and then unpack that and how we do that, okay? The world has changed. The world has changed when someone invests their time, resources, energy, and relationship into another. The world has changed that way. The kingdom of God, everybody, listen, it grows one person at a time. That's how the kingdom of God grows. We heard a tremendous testimony from Quentin this morning fully illustrating that. Kingdom of God grew one person at a time by a, by a number of people investing themselves into his young life. And the gospel... When we talk about the good news of Jesus Christ, that the gospel is advanced in the world, not so much by the funding of projects. Now, that's, a, that's, that's important, and it's, it's a really helpful tool, but the gospel is advanced not so much by the funding of projects, but by the investing in people, by the investing in people. Because, listen, you can make an impact by your giving, but you can be a part of transformation by your love and your relationship. If you really want to be a part of transforming our world, it's always flesh on flesh. It is just relationship to relationship. This was perfectly modeled by Jesus Christ. Perfectly modeled by Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus you know, God, right? Son of God, third person of the Trinity. He came to earth. He came down from heaven to earth, wrapped himself up in flesh. This is why we celebrate Christmas, right? We're celebrating the incarnation. Now, Jesus along his life and ministry, he, for, especially for three strategic years, he deeply invested his life into 12 guys and, and most specifically into three, Peter, James, and John. Lived 24-7 with these guys for three-ish years. Now, that wasn't his purpose in coming. That was not his purpose in coming. His purpose in coming was about what we're going to celebrate in a few weeks, right? It was his death and resurrection, uh, he, was, he was born, he put on flesh, he was born to be the Savior. So Jesus came to live the life that we couldn't live and to die the death that we should have died. And then he rose again on the third day, forever defeating sin and death and hell, that we may by faith have that eternal life along with him. Amen? That is why Jesus came. But the impact of the incarnation... One of the main impacts of the incarnation was this modeling of how to truly invest in other people as we see how Jesus lived his life. And this is what Paul is fleshing out in part to Titus in our passage today and how this investing in others continues to go on. You guys tracking with me? You following? Excellent. Okay, so listen, God has called us he has called us to love others, and he has called us to multiply 
ourselves. You know, when we look at Jesus, he talks about this thing that we call the great commandments, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we do what? We love our neighbors as our, right, so he pairs loving others with loving God. He says they're, they're intricately attached. One flows through and out of the other. Paul writes often in his letters that loving your neighbor is the fulfillment of the law, even. I'm big deal stuff we're talking about here. So what is love? Let's, do, let's define love really quickly. Love, by definition, is choices and activities that we do for others to care, show them value, and help them grow. Okay, love is intentional. It's intentional choices and activities for the sake of other people. Denying ourselves for someone else's good and ultimately for God's glory. That's what we're talking about with love. So we are called to love God and to love others, but we're also called to multiply. We're also called to multiply. Let's go way back, Genesis chapter 1 in the garden. Okay, God formed Adam and Eve. He made them and he gave them what is called the cultural mandates. The cultural mandate is this, be fruitful and multiply. That, that's the cultural mandate, be fruitful and multiply. And then, you know, when he hit the reset button with Noah and the flood, you know what? He almost verbatim gave Noah the same cultural mandate to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, okay? So uh, it's a big deal. And now Jesus expands that cultural mandate. He expands it into a spiritual one. So we have this spiritual mandate as well with the great commission to go and make disciples, right? As you go, go and make disciples. Telling them who God is, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all on down the line. So the love we give and the multiplication that God decrees demands that we intentionally invest ourselves into other human beings. It demands that. Uh, it's not about just passing on our knowledge or our stories, but it's also intentionally passing on and multiplying our faith, our values, and our hope that provide purpose and meaning to life as God defines it and has created it. But I'll tell you, you look, we look in our world today, and this has been missing to a great degree. We look around our society and even the church, and we can see a whole generation of what I call the lost boys and insecure girls. We see guys with, no, with little or no sense of direction, purpose, or motivation, 25, 30-year-olds living in mom's basement playing video games most of the day. And that's where their life is getting formed by. And then we see these girls who are so upside down with their value and purpose, they seek any type of attention that they can find from anything with a pulse. Right? Anything with a pulse that notices them and ultimately have selfish intentions toward them because they've gotten their sense of value from the video games they've been playing in their mom's basement. Right? It's, it, I mean, we, all you got to do is turn on Facebook. All you got to do is flip on the news. And you'll see impacts of stories like this. This is ultimately an issue of identity. Identity. Identity is who we believe we are at our deepest level. It's 
It's the durable core that we believe about ourselves. And here's the thing about identity, why I bring it up. Identity is always passed down. It's always passed down. Another person loves you. Another person builds into you. Another person tells you who you are, and another person names you. Much like God did with Abraham, your name is no longer Abram, but your name is Abraham. Much like Jesus did with Simon, your name is no longer Simon, but I call you Peter. We are giving identity. Again, we can see another impact of the incarnation here. Broken homes and surface level, you know, relationships, virtual role models feed into this issue and keep deepening it. And this identity crisis has not just manifested itself in the I don't know what to do with my life question. But we see it every day regarding gender confusion, sexual orientation, and attaching our work and our money and our performance with who we are. We can't confuse identity with activity. But we need people to help us with this. You see, we who are mature must build into those who are not. Because faith, future, and flourishing are on the line well, what's maturity then? Is it just how old I am? No. The Bible talks about maturity as being fully grown, not childish anymore. You know, and, and in some very real steps, this means you're just kind of a couple steps ahead of the next guy. You got something to kind of pass down a little bit. Uh, but according to our passage today, I, you know, I really, as I was studying this, I saw something very interesting. In the seven, in the seven eight verses that we read, Self-control was mentioned three times. I think a massive ingredient of maturity is the ability to practice self-control. Have mastery over your desires and to submit them to God and to his way and to what's best for other people. Okay? So maturity is vital. Uh, self-control is vital to this. So that's really, I hope you guys understand the weight of what we're talking about. This is big stuff. Okay? How you invest in someone else has incredible implications. So let's, let's break this down a little bit, okay? This is going to be very, I usually, this is different for me, uh, but we're going to be very step-by-step step today. Okay, so let's talk about what do we invest in others. What do we invest in others? The first thing that we invest in others, according to our passages today, is faith. What did Paul say to Titus in chapter 1? To Titus, my true child, in a common faith. So it sounds like Paul was a part of Titus' salvation, to where he was this father figure in bringing him to Jesus Christ and leading him along the way. We invest faith in other people. And when we talk about faith, we're talking about the goodness of God, our great need of a Savior, about Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. And another thing we see in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. Healthy doctrine. This is vitally important when we talk about faith. There's a lot of people that say a lot of things. And a lot of people that are way off that do not have sound doctrine. 
We have to be very careful in who we let speak into us, and we have to be very careful in what we speak into other people to make sure it aligns fully with God's word. We want to really, to some degree, we have to be able to ignore. This is another part of maturity. Don't just look at the people who are popular. Don't just look at the Bible teachers or the church leaders or whoever that have charisma or super talented, okay? Listen, all those things don't matter if their doctrine is off. A crowd does not mean it's always good. You have to keep that in mind. And, and listen, you know, there's the three big things come to my mind when we talk about this sound doctrine. The one is Bible. Bible. Is this truly the infallible, inspired Word of God. If someone says, nah, I don't think so, not all of it, okay, that's the voice we're going to ignore. The other one is Jesus. Is Jesus God? Is Jesus God? Yes, he is. If they say, no, good teacher, moral guy, maybe not part of the Godhead, I'm not sure about that Trinity thing, that's a voice we're going to ignore. The third one is gospel. Listen, if you go to the Christian bookstore, well, they don't even exist anymore. If you go to Amazon and you download a Christian book, right, and it has all these self-help things in it, and there's not one mention of the cross, there's not one mention of repentance and faith in Jesus' finished work and his resurrection, you return that book, get your money back. I'll give you a full list of ones you should buy. All right, so listen, Bible, Jesus, gospel, huge things. Huge thing. So we invest faith in others. We also invest character in others. When we look at Titus 2 and those following eight passages, we hear things like this. Be sober-minded. Be dignified, self-controlled, steadfast, reverent, pure, kind, have integrity. Okay? Uh, character is the quality of your moral attributes is what they are. Built on the faith in Jesus, character is the quality of your moral attributes. We need to build character into others. We will naturally, left to our own selves, have low character unless someone with high character shows us and teaches us. The reason that's true is because we are children of the fall. We come to this world with inherent original sin, right? And we're already broken in how we think and how we feel. And so we need someone to build into us and teach us the way of God and build our character off of that. And listen, parents, this is why your role is so important. Because that cute little baby that you have, as beautiful as that baby is, that baby is in need of a savior. And that baby is already broken on the inside. And so your life as a parent and teaching them faith and Jesus and Bible and gospel is vital to build their character. The other thing we invest in others, faith, character, this other one is confidence in our role in life. Confidence in our role in life. Titus chapter 2 verses 4 and 5, uh, we see in here that this, these two verses are specifically talking to Older women teaching younger women to be godly wives and moms. Now we can look at other passages like Colossians 3, 2 Timothy 2, Ephesians 5, and we see this whole idea being expanded out to everybody. Okay? 
So while there's a specific example we see in the whole counsel of God that we can look at all of our roles investing in someone who's just a little behind us, okay? So it's a wider audience. So my question is, what are your main roles of life? Now, not to be confused with their identity, but what are your main roles of life? Where does the biggest percentage of your time and energy get spent? For me, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a neighbor. I'm a leader. I'm a director. I mean, these are main roles of my life that take up a lot of my time. Okay? And so I need to look for others. Part of my call in being mature and growing up in Christ is to look for others in those similar roles and invest in them what I know and how Jesus wants us to live out those roles. We give confidence in the role of life to others. And the fourth thing of what we invest is practical skills. Titus 2, 7, and 8. Good works, sound, te- sound speech, teaching. Listen, this is the everyday stuff that we do in our roles. The everyday stuff we do in our roles that practically show our character and faith. Do you see how these all build on each other? Faith starts it off. Character begins to flush it out. We have a specific role, and we need skills for those roles. That's how we are to invest. That's what Titus chapter 2 is showing us. So the question now is, who do we invest in? We invest in those who are poor. What, do you mean like money poor? No, 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 no. Let's expand our definition of poverty. Being poor is this having insufficient resource in your life. You can have insufficient resource, yeah, materially. You can have insufficient resource, you know, when it comes to knowledge, leadership, emotional maturity, wisdom. You can have insufficient resource in a number of different areas. All of us are poor to some degree. So we need to invest in those who are poor. Where do you feel you have insufficient resources that's inhibiting you from truly flourishing? You need to find someone to invest in you. Where do you feel you are flourishing in a specific resource? You need to to find someone to invest in. So we invest in those who are poor. We invest in those with potential. With potential. Now listen, everybody has potential when they have the desire to learn and grow. They have the potential when they have the desire. If there's no desire, there's no room for, for potential. You know what? That's on you. You can't give desire to somebody else. You can pray for it that God stirs it up, but that's on them. And there's a particular emphasis in our passage on the older to younger, the mature to immature, okay, in investing with those with potential. Um, I, did, I did youth ministry for, I don't know, maybe 15 years, okay? Um, and I'll tell you this, from my experience as a youth pastor in churches of all shapes and sizes. True youth ministry doesn't happen in the context of a program, trip, or service. True youth ministry happens in the context of an adult leader building a relationship and caring and being interested in students that that they're with. That's where true youth ministry happens, okay? You know what one of the most things that warms my heart the most is on Wednesday nights, I leave here. We do equip on Wednesday nights. I'm teaching an equip, and I drive back over to Jefferson to pick my kids up from Rev and Oasis. And I see Mike Noblet 
I see Dave Reynolds. And they're just sitting around a table talking to my boy, talking to my 13-year-old son, loving him well. That's where true ministry happens. That's where transformation of a life happens. That's what Aiden will remember when he gets older. He'll have names like Quentin had names, like I have names. He'll have names. He'll have a flash memory of a retreat or a service or whatever or a sermon, but he'll remember names and people. The third of who we should invest in is those in our path. Who has God naturally put in your path? Is there a person or two who just seems to keep popping up in your life? in your prayers, here at church, in your neighborhood, on social media, someone that just he keeps coming to your mind. This has happened to me for the last probably four to six months or so. There's a few guys in this church that just kept popping up. And God finally said, you know what? Get these guys together. And so, you know, I'm reaching out. We're trying to get together with just a few guys just to talk about life and leadership and growth and faith and be friends and, and do that. So who is God doing that? That's who we invest in, those who are poor with potential and those in our path. And how do we do all this? I'm going to fly through these. I'm not going to really expand on these because of our time today, but because I've had to preach for 20 minutes and I want to preach for an hour. Um, and we don't have that time, so I'm going to respect that. But how do we do this? The first thing we, we, the first thing we do is we model humility. We model humility Okay, uh, Micah 6.8, he has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Humility always attracts and pride always repels. We model humility in our investment. We also allow interruptions. We allow interruptions. Do you know how often Jesus was interrupted in his ministry? All the time. Come heal my daughter. Hey, I'm going to grab his cloak. Hey, Jesus, can you do this? Hey, here's the kids coming. Jesus was always interrupted in his daily ministry. Was Jesus ever frustrated by that? Not one time. Live your life with some margin so you can allow some interruptions. Because in those interruptions, that is when ministry will be very important and dynamic. Be intentional. If you don't resolve to do it, plan it, calendar it, prep for it, it's just not going to happen. Other things of life will edge it out. You need to be intentional to make a choice to invest. Be normal. Just be normal. Listen, don't think of this as just one more thing to do. Look, build others into your lives and invite them into your everyday stuff of life. You go in the grocery store, you're doing some yard work, you're going to volunteer in ministry. I mean, what are you just doing that someone can just kind of hang out with you and you could do it with them? Just be normal. Listen, we eat three meals a day. Some of you eat more. That's a lot of meals every week. Have a couple of those with, a, with another person, okay? Uh, be honest. Listen, call it like you see it. Too much is at stake to beat around the bush. When we're talking about faith, character, role of life, things like that, listen, get below the waterline. Stop talking on the surface. Okay, be honest, be real. That's, people need that. Okay, we have enough surface level stuff in our day. We need some real relationships, some honest vulnerability things. And also have a long-term view. 
Transformation does not happen overnight. Character and maturity happen over time. Parents, you never stop parenting. We have a compressed time of 18-ish years, right? But we never stop parenting. You know, uh, those that God puts in our path need consistent love and commitment. Don't bail on them the first time or two that they mess up. What does that teach them? That teaches, well, I'm not worth it if I mess something up. And now we're putting people down a performance path versus just really giving them grace and love and mercy, speaking truth to them, but not bailing for them. Okay? Listen, it's not our job to fix anybody with this. Don't have a savior complex, right? You can't fix anybody and you can't save anybody. One guy did that. He did it great. That's above our pay grade. Okay? Now, last thing I want to say, if you're the one that needs investing, and you're probably hearing this and you're like, man, I don't know because I need something to pour into me. This is true for all of us. You never outgrow the need to be invested into. Put yourself in the position and presence of a person you want to learn from. I was doing my internship up in Green Bay, Wisconsin back in 1995 with a church up there, really respected Pastor Joe, the pastor of the church. I would just walk into his office. I didn't care what he was doing. I walked in, and I sat down on a chair, and I just, hey, what are you doing? And I started talking to him. I took initiative on that because I wanted that guy to build into me. And he allowed the interruption. God bless Pastor Joe. Right? But we have to do that sometimes. So as we finish up, prayer teams, you'll be coming down in just a minute as well. What are one or two things about you? Your faith, your character, your skills, your role of life, that God wants you to invest and multiply in somebody. Ask the Lord what that is. Who is God putting in your path to invest in? Who, is just, keeps, who just keeps popping up? I think God might be getting your attention about that person. What do you, see, what do you need to say no to in order to be able to say yes to people, where do you need to build the margin to allow the interruption? And who do you need to put yourself in the presence of to get invested in? Those are your questions that you need to do something with. Now, listen. All this is great. But it's ultimately worthless if it's not built on a foundation of faith and salvation in Christ. What is the impact of the incarnation in your life? Is your faith and hope and trust fully in Jesus or not? Someone can teach you business practices. Someone can teach you parenting skills. But listen, worthless without faith and salvation in Jesus. So when prayer, prayer teams, go ahead and come on down. Let's stand up together. Prayer teams, head on down here. Some of you, here's what I ask you to come and get prayer for today. Some of you need a, a, an impact of the incarnation regarding faith in Jesus, and you just want to learn more about that. Come down, talk to a prayer team member. They'll pray for you. We'll get you connected and help you on that faith journey. Some of you need some wisdom and direction of who should I be investing with and listen, let's, as a body, let's pray together and seek the Lord on that together. Some of you recognize there is some need to where you need others to invest in you. And we're going to go before the Lord that the right person comes in your life to do that.
That's what we're going to do. And any other needs you have, a healing in your life, courage in your life, any other needs you have, this is your time to get built with the body towards God and let God move. Amen? Let me pray for you. And then you come down as Andy closes us up. Jesus, thank you so much for your incarnation, for modeling to us, building into us, giving us all that we need to build into others for true transformation, growth of your kingdom, and a movement forward to the gospel. Encourage us now and motivate us now that we may continue that on. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'd like to thank you for joining us this morning. God bless you as you go this morning. Have a great rest of your weekend.